0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right. Hello again. It is not the Saturday special DFS podcast. It's actually on Thursday, but it is special for a whole nother reason. And we'll get to that. But before we do, T.J. Hernandez from 4 I'm Matt Harmon from Yahoo. Hello. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Uh, great. Happy to talk to you a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, as you mentioned, we do have a little uh, reason that we're doing that. It's an exciting week, especially at Yahoo DFS. So I'm ready to get into that part of it.
0: Absolutely. Let's dive right into it. Let's waste no more time. This is, as you mentioned, TJ, an exciting week here at Yahoo. On Sunday, we're bringing together the top fantasy players in the country at MGM National Harbor Resort and Casino for the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship. 60 winners of various contests from the season will face off for the champion title and $200,000 in cash prizes. And there might even be a few special guests, but uh, no spoilers on that one. Now, we're going to make this an annual event. So, folks, do, do listen to us talk about this, and once you get jazzed about it, make sure you follow at Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter this weekend and the hashtag Yahoo Fantasy Champs across all channels to check out the action. And, hey, maybe you'll even be there next year. TJ, this sounds uh, pretty exciting. Now, I know you have played in live finals before, but this is a little bit different than some of the other ones uh, in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean it it is a um it's a small field a little bit smaller than than some other ones and there's lots of different ways to qualify for it. So, uh I mean that aspect of it alone is you're going to get a mix of players that have been trying very hard to uh get that qualifier specifically in you know, a couple players that might not be so experienced that qualified in different races. So the the mixed bag of players is going to be very interesting. But no matter what, um, there are some really unique strategies that pertain to tournaments of this size, especially uh, tournaments where you really are only shooting for first place.
0: Right. Let's talk about some of those more unique strategies, because as you mentioned, it's not like winning a, a you know a tournament like the or like we right. talk about we we feature that contest pretty heavily on our usual saturday episodes we talk a little bit about cash games and everything like that this is like a totally uh different beast
1: yeah it's it's really unique because uh when you have a game like this where it's it's fewer than 100 entries but you are still playing for first place uh it, it's unlike anything really because obviously in something like a cash game you're you're really just shooting for value and and a lot of times, you know, you can have a lineup that, that could do very well in a field of that size with only a cash game type lineup. Um, but obviously, we really want to be targeting first place. So the two things that are very unique to a contest of these size are one, rostered rates. They There are players where, as you mentioned, something like the baller, the most popular players in, in the field might be in 30% of lineups or something like that. In a field of this size, the most popular players might be in... 80% of lineups. So the 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 aspect of trying to decide where you want to be contrarian and how much you're going to give up with a player that might be in 80% of lineups, that's a very unique strategy. And also the with the field so small, those players, those roster rates can flip really quickly. You know, if if five or six players unexpectedly decide to play a, a specific player, that roster rate goes up by 10%. Right. Probably more important than trying to figure out those roster rates is understanding how you win a tournament of this size. Now, obviously you want to have the highest score, but playing the highest projected score doesn't necessarily mean outscoring your opponents, which is more important. So in a field like the baller where it's tens of thousands of players, you're trying to hit as close to perfect as possible, right? You need to out You need to win against so many other players. Whereas in a field of only 60 players, you don't need to hit perfect. You just need to outscore the other 59. So one of the main strategies that I like in tournaments, this size is instead of targeting players, trying to hit perfectly on every single player, is targeting one or two games and trying to hit perfect in those. If a game goes off and you have three or four of those players, they might not all score 20 fantasy points like you need in something like the baller, but you're going to get so many correlated points from one game that you're going to be able to shoot up the leaderboard very quickly. Even if you only have a guy that's scoring 11 or 12, you're just getting so many correlated points, whereas you need a 99.9 percentile score in the baller to win when it's only 60 players you might out of the whole field on on yahoo that week an 85th percentile score might take this thing down so just thinking in those terms of how can i gain an advantage on my opponents not hitting perfectly but finding these spots where i can just really load up on a couple situations and if those situations hit then i'm doing very well in this tournament hopefully winning it
0: That makes a lot of sense. So, like, team stacks, like stacking within the same game, all that stuff, those correlated plays, those are huge for winning a a tournament like this. When you're talking about the the contrarian thing, I'm just going to give, like, a specific example, and you can tell me whether this is a stupid thing or not as somebody who knows more about this than me. Like, I'm sitting here, man. I I watched Sunday Night Football last last week and you know Teddy and the Broncos everybody like everybody but Javante Williams was a tough watch yes. on that Broncos yeah. offense I don't think anybody's gonna be very excited I'm, I literally I watched a game with my fiance, who knows nothing about Teddy Bridgewater did not know he existed before sitting down on the couch at night and she's like what's the deal with this guy and his uh tiny calves and throwing the ball short <laughs> all the time and I was like well, you just nailed that he's so, she's like, he's so boring to wild. It's like, well, you just nailed the Teddy Bridgewater scouting report. C- yes. Congratulations. Anyways, my point in all that is nobody wants to play Broncos receivers right now because these guys are all cannibalizing each other. But, like, let's say, you know, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, those guys are, like, s- super great values. Yes. The salary is super low. And we know these are, these guys are good players who could hit any week. And they're playing the Lions this week. Say somebody in the live, fi- or in the final this week in the championship goes out and plays, a Cortland Sutton and he hits, I feel like that gives you a huge advantage. It's risky but it's a huge advantage.
1: Yeah. And that kind of goes back to my point where if you, if you are really high on uh, a player, whether it's a a Cortland Sutton or any other uh, pass catcher in an offense that might not be popular, it really just makes sense like to target a player like a Teddy Bridgewater pairing with Cortland Sutton, because one of the things that's really tough in fields of these size, it's very hard to justify passing up on some of the best values. So in weeks last week where we had, an Antonio Gibson and an Alexander Madison that were just such obvious values, even though they might be in 70% of lineups, it's still really hard to justify that because there still is a huge advantage to having the best values in the slate. In a field of that size. So, how are you going to really separate from a field, even if it is only 60 players? Having one of these unique stacks, especially if they're affordable and let you get to the best studs on the slate, is often a, a really easy way to separate because, again, we're looking not just for to hit perfect, but that unpopular correlation. If things go right for a Teddy Bridgewater type offense with pass catchers that nobody really wants. And all of a sudden there, they score 28 points through the air. um, You're gaining a huge advantage on the field, not just with a player, but with multiple players with one huge situation.
0: Yeah. So that makes a ton of sense as well. And just like looking for those particular situations, maybe we'll get some value out of the 49ers backfield that we'll know closer to Sunday, the big day with the uh, championship coming up. Anyways, Listen, it's exciting. It's an exciting week. We're jacked up about it here. Yeah, Yahoo. Obviously, the folks at Four for Four are as well. This is just a fun communal event. I think that's the big thing too. Is like this is obviously going to, you know, it's 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 obviously about fantasy. It's obviously about you know two hundred thousand dollars cash prize is not too bad. But these are like communal events where people get together and like can actually. Instead of like us all, you know, hunker down in our little uh, online silos, we're all like uh, in a a place together. That's pretty cool too.
1: Yeah, a live live final sweat is, um, it's kind of unmatched in fantasy. Like, because even if you do, even if you are playing DFS, even if you win the baller, you're, you know, maybe sitting with a couple of friends, you're at home. We don't really have anything like this where there is really a pinnacle at the end of the season where when you win, it is an event. It is like, you know as the the closest thing us fantasy nerds are going to get to our super bowl we're really going to get to feel that you know that confetti raining down to hold up that that trophy it's it's really fun and to be in a room full of people watching these games watching these this these leaderboards change it's it's pretty exciting
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be an awesome time. And remember, we're making this an annual event. So obviously check out the action uh, this year by following at Yahoo fantasy on Twitter this weekend and the hashtag Yahoo fantasy champs across all channels to check out the action. And again, maybe you'll be there next year. Maybe you will be uh, in this whole exciting experience playing Cortland Sutton uh, when he's catching (laughs) passes from Aaron Rodgers next year. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, That will be a lot more exciting for all of us. But anyways, TJ, We're excited about that, but we're also excited about the rest of this Week 14 slate. Let's just dive right into the players since we kind of talked about some strategy stuff up top. We'll dive right into our quarterbacks. Hit me with your first pick here.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting week because – um, at the very top of the quarterback salaries, it's it's actually a little bit rough. Um, I mean, Josh Allen is obviously always a great play, but he's insanely expensive. We just got some news before we recorded this on on the Chargers wide receiver situation. They have a COVID issue there. Uh, and then the Cowboys, they're uh, you know, they always kind of spread points around. So there aren't a ton of slam dunks at the top of the salary range like like we usually see. So I'm actually like going sub thirty dollars from. My my quote-unquote expensive quarterback, uh, Cam Newton at $27 against the Falcons in a game uh, where Carolina is favored in a with an over-under of 48.5. Obviously, the last time we saw Cam Newton, it was in that debacle against the Dolphins. He got a week to recover from it. Hopefully, think about it in a positive manner. Uh, the The thing that we obviously want to see from Cam Newton is a lot of rushing yards, A very good chance he is the primary or at least like the 1A rusher with CMC out. Uh, And the thing that we saw from where where Cam really struggled against the Dolphins is they were just loading up on the blitz just in his face all game. And that was successful against Lamar Jackson. It's the same Dolphins strategy. So against those mobile passers, really being able to get in their face all game we've seen has really made them struggle. Atlanta isn't going to do that most likely. They bring five-plus rushers only 20% of the time against the pass. That's a bottom 10 rate in the NFL, whereas Miami does that at the second highest rate the last time we saw Cam Newton. So with Cam against a defense that already ranks 28th and 4-for-4 four four schedule adjusted fantasy points, probably has quite a bit of a better day again especially with cmc out and the thing that we are expecting from cam not he's not going to tear you up on the deep pass it's going to be the short and intermediate stuff uh the uh, falcons do allow the second highest qbr and passes below 15 air yards and that's where cam should do a lot of his passing game work
0: yeah, I feel like people might be a little uh, bearish on Cam after what we saw last time out. And obviously, Carolina fires their offensive coordinator during the bye week, at the, in the middle of the bye week, or in the middle of the bye period, right? Like, yeah. freaking on game day. Unbelievable. Yep. But that's <laughs> yeah. a whole other discussion there. So, um, yeah, I do like that pick a lot. I feel like if you're going to go up to the top rung in quarterbacks, you know, we talked about last week Tom Brady up at 40 plus dollars like, had to – be perfect he almost ran yeah, I perfect think, I,
1: I think someone said you should fade him i don't know who that was <laughs> to
0: be fair this hypothetical person only wrote out like two or three letters of his last name so <laughs> that doesn't count um but your point was like tom brady would have to run perfect yeah. i don't think you expected them to come out and throw as much as they did like all game too. Yeah. yeah um but anyways point is here he's like coming off that game when he was awesome, like basically did run perfect. Uh, I think he was the number two quarterback on the week behind Kyler Murray. Uh, He comes out and he's less, uh, lesser salary this week, 34 bucks. Obviously some of it, I think is the matchup messing with the algorithm with the bills, the bills who only gave up three pass attempts last week. No, but in their first game without last week. Absolutely. I mean, that was some great stuff there. Like the the yardage totals, just pushing down for the bills. Uh, But we, look, this game is going to be great for fantasy. It's like top five teams in uh, pass uh, rate over expectation. Obviously, just pass rate overall. Uh, the pace, the, the the implied total, everything you want. Just like check, check, check. I think you you can really rock with Brady pretty heavily here at just thirty four dollars.
1: Yeah, and and even though Brady probably will be quite expensive, the thing. I mean, I. I specifically didn't mention him when we were talking about how tough it is at the top because I think he is the slam dunk this week um, in that game with a crazy high over-under. It will be the most popular game to stack. The the beautiful thing about stacking the uh, the Buccaneers is that even when whether it's it's Godwin or Gronk or, or Evans, if they are the quote unquote most popular among the most popular pass catchers on the slate, they're never going to be like they're never going to be blowing away the field without an injury to one of their teammates because they're all going to cannibalize each other a little bit. So you're never going to get like a completely out of whack rostered right with um, any of the Buccaneers, which is always nice when you don't have to worry about eating the chalk too much on them.
0: Do you have a lean between these two because they're like Godwin and Evans because they're like $22 and $21. I can't believe Chris Godwin is, is twenty. Godwin
1: Godwin $22. just always seems to be more popular, um, and I think it's just because of his volume. I think player fantasy players just typically trust him more. So I'm always going to kind of lean with the uh, with the less popular player and Mike Evans. And, and again, you did mention the Tre'Davious White, and that is why outside receivers have typically struggled against the Bills. Uh, that we obviously haven't got to see that truly in action yet because of that game last week but I, I do think that mike evans could take advantage of that this week
0: yeah i think those outside receivers will definitely start to open up there uh we talked about the broncos passing game and uh you know teddy bridgewater just, t- just getting wrecked by my fiance for the skinny knees looking like <laughs> yeah. a quote he looks like a middle schooler oh my oh, god man. Tough scene. how disrespectful uh anyways this is the woman i'm marrying people what a life anyways <laughs> I mean, she's right though. She is right. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater is on your is on your list
1: here at just twenty four. Yeah, they are really big favorites. The Broncos are against the Lions, favored by seven and a half points. Not a huge implied point total twenty four point seven five, but a respectable implied point total. And uh, I mean, from a, a pure tournament perspective, Bridgewater is going to be intriguing because. Especially if Belfin Gordon doesn't come back this week, there's a chance that Javante Williams is maybe one of the most, if not the most popular running back on the slate. Even if Gordon does come back, I think people are going to want to play a relatively affordable Javante against this very bad Detroit defense in a spot where the Broncos are heavily favored. That just gives us a tremendous leverage opportunity with the passing game. I like Bridgewater because you can affordably stack him with more than one pass catcher. I know you specifically like one of their pass catchers this week. I mean, Jerry Judy's been getting the volume, but not a lot of um, not a lot of fantasy production there. Uh, I mean, we I, I think I probably would like Tim Patrick more than Cortland Sutton a little bit at, at this point. But the point is, Bridgewater. We have seen flashes of this passing offense be very efficient. hasn't happened in quite a long time this season. But now they're playing Detroit where people always want to play the running game against Detroit, Detroit fantasy points allowed to the pass game. It never looks very big because teams run against them so much, but they allow crazy efficiency. The second most fantasy points per pass attempt. So I don't know if you meant to mention Teddy Bridgewater up top, but he has a tremendous leverage spot this week
0: uh no i totally was just thinking that we were just in sync there i hadn't even looked at your picks on the outline yet so uh there we go that would, it makes a lot of sense with that detroit matchup and yeah i mean the tough part with the receivers is these guys are good just nobody gets any volume i, I ended up taking i had no offense in the tight end spot i ended up taking them off for somebody else but uh i mean just nobody gets any like court sun's aver- averaging fewer than four targets uh over the last three games jerry judy has the highest uh, target share uh but just a 7.7 a dot it's like what are we? Do? It's just impossible with these receivers. I almost feel like playing just Teddy Bridgewater, just just unstacked, might actually be the way to go, just to not have to put yourself through the pain of picking one of these guys. My second quarterback pick is Taysom Hill, who, despite throwing four picks, was the quarterback <laughs> four because he yeah. ru- uh, last week because he rushes for over a hundred yards. I actually don't think it's like the worst thing in the world to play Taysom Hill and the Jets defense yeah. <laughs> in the same lineup. Yeah. That's how ridiculous this whole thing with Taysom Hill could be. Yeah, man. I don't know. I mean, it's. It's the rushing upside with him as long as he plays in this matchup too against the jets defense has just been so miserable all season long. I feel like he can give you some value and security as weird as that sounds at the quarterback spot.
1: Yeah. And there, this game could, uh, it could actually have more points than people might expect if they uh, don't hone in on on the name value or or lack of name value on these two teams right now. Like we saw, lack of we value. yeah we saw we saw the Jets actually um, you know their their past game kind of started to click. Um, I, I know that they're going to be without Corey Davis, and I think Elijah Moore popped up this week. But uh, you know Zach Wilson didn't look awful this week, and the Saints' defense is um, you know their passing defense at least has been almost as bad as the Jets' passing defense so these offenses might be able to move the ball quite effectively which would obviously be good for both sides including Tayson.
0: no question i mean i don't know who he's gonna throw it to well avon kamara might be back which is a good sign but other than that uh i don't know who the hell he's gonna throw that ball to but uh he doesn't have to just throw it just up run. to himself i guess yeah. and just run it uh there we go all right let's move on to running back starting with austin eckler your top pick here at 36 bucks
1: yeah, I was originally going to talk about the Chargers' passing game and had Herbert as my quarterback, but right before we started recording, we got news that the Chargers could possibly be without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who both popped up on the COVID list on Wednesday. So we're gonna have to see what that, how that plays out as far as the uh, the contact tracing and, and 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 the rules on when when they can't. Well, um, Keenan um, g- Keenan landed
0: Ken- there on Monday, right? Okay. So yeah. I mean, he or Monday or Tuesday. So he, and I and the nfl network reported that he's vaccinated so there's a chance he could he could still play this week but mike williams things a little more questionable
1: yeah so either way that I, I didn't see much movement in terms of, of expectation for this game the giants in a really bad spot chargers favored by 10 and a half projected for 27 points uh so that is obviously going to put the Chargers as, as huge favorites already puts Eckler in a good situation without possibly Keenan or Mike Williams. It could be the Austin Eckler show. I mean, we know that it isn't always as simple as, especially with pass catchers, the pass catchers out uh, wider next wide receiver just gets all of their targets. That's not how it works. So we could see a huge bump in targets for Austin Eckler, who's already one of three running backs averaging six and a half targets per game um, over the last six weeks, which is he's also third in fantasy points per touch among all running backs in that span. The giants are bottom 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs bottom third in the league in catches and yard uh, receiving yards allowed to running backs as well
0: yeah there we go. I mean, I think Eckler makes a ton of sense if you're looking at some of these top running back plays this week. uh Antonio Gibson at just twenty six dollars uh not too far up not too far up from the twenty one he was last week um and he's been just unbelievable uh over the last four weeks. He has the same he's like right there, neck and neck with snaps and carries with Jonathan Taylor. They have the same amount of targets. They both forced 23 missed tackles. I'm not saying like Antonio Gibson is now as good as Jonathan Taylor, but <laughs> from a usage standpoint, he's been getting that type of work. So yeah. uh shout out to everybody, including myself, uh that drafted Antonio Gibson in August. He is just gonna wreck shop in your constellation brackets. Like just, just yeah. shout out to all of us there. But you can still win with them playing uh Daily Fantasy. You know, the Cowboys can get burned for explosive plays. They ranked 21st in explosive run rate allowed. They ranked 28th in explosive pass rate allowed. I think this game is going to be a fun fantasy environment, and, and Gibson, again, is just way too affordable for what he's been doing lately.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised to see his salary this week. I I thought it would shoot up. Um, You know, it's close ish to 30, but we see those elite running backs. I mean, I just uh, mentioned Austin Eckler all the way up at 36, and you're getting Gibson for $10 less. So even though his salary did go up a bit, uh, it's still just kind of in that mid tier. And even though they are slight underdogs, we know Gibson's going to get uh, some passing game work, and, and you mentioned the explosive plays. That's really what uh, what we're hoping we're getting. Uh, if you, especially if you are playing them in tournaments or, or heavily stacking this game, there is a couple ways where this game can uh, be quite exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely, can be extremely exciting. Um, give me your second running back pick, actually, in this same game.
1: In the same game, and um, not the one that we would have went with uh, when we started this season, talking about, uh, you know, possibly consolation brackets. But Tony Pollard at $19 on the other side, 70-plus total yards in three of his last four games. He's outgained uh, Zeke on— on. Uh, Quite a few uh, less touches over the past month. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, this is just a case where Ezekiel Elliott obviously isn't running at a hundred percent. I know they said they they looked at his knee again; and it's looking a little bit better. But if you see the way he's moving, I mean, the difference between the two players is night and day. And I'm not even I'm not even going to be on the the Zeke versus Pollard argument, but just at this point of who is playing better, it's just clearly Tony Pollard. the The hope is that. You know, even if he doesn't get a huge increase in touch here, we saw it last week. You mentioned with Gibson, the explosive plays. He could just take any play to the house at any moment, especially in the passing game where I do think he can have a lot of success against Washington, 49% of, yahoo points allowed to running backs by washington have come through the air that's the second highest rate in the league so basically half the of the points come from running backs is through the uh through the passing game and that's where tony pollard really could shine especially in this game where teams have thrown at the fifth highest rate in neutral game script against washington over the last six weeks
0: i've been like a big zeke is still better than pollard uh supporter for a long time and i still believe that but it's like what are the Cowboys doing running Zeke out there right now? Right, like Pollard right. is objectively good. Yeah. Just – you're you're trying to play for the playoffs. Like, you should be – You should, what are we doing here? Like, let's rest Zeke for a couple – guys, like, pulling up lame every time he, like, breaks away from a defender. He starts, like – Right. He's you know, like a little a – little, hitching his giddy up for uh something that Jerry can maybe understand there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and this like you said, this isn't the um the which one is better. I mean, we're not talking about a dynasty league here who we're taking first next year. It's just that if you are playing DFS, the point is sure even if they are like in a in a 50-50 share right now and you think Zeke is still as good I mean, if he's coming off the sideline, uh, coming off the field and and on the sideline twice a game and missing a couple series a game, those little things can add up and it can make a a $19 running back all of a sudden have, you know, a a 60% backfield share just because, you know, Zeke's knee or calf or or hip or whatever was was bothering him for a couple of plays.
0: I mean, objectively, right now, Tony Pollard's better because he can actually run through an entire play, whereas Zeke cannot. So it's like, let's give this guy a couple weeks off. But uh, the Cowboys, they got a weird thing with the whole Zeke stuff. So, yeah, that's not going to happen. What is apparently happening is that Josh Jacobs is going to be a full RB1 at this point, 17 bucks for Josh Jacobs coming off a career day as a receiver. Um, Jalen Richard's on the COVID list. He could, you know, if he comes back or something like that might mess this up, but even still Josh Jacobs was starting to get legit receiving usage uh, before this. I think the chiefs defense is much, much more improved, but we still saw Javante Williams, who is just a totally different uh, animal than a guy like Josh Jacobs, different ecosystem as well from a rushing standpoint. But Jacobs is just, I think too cheap for uh, what he's going to be doing here in this game and terms of, the, of in terms of his workload
1: yeah and i i have some serious concerns about the raiders this week and we'll get into that a little bit later but you're getting a, a player that is going to be uh, get as much work if the raiders can even keep it moderately close as any running back in the league at least from a touch share perspective and as you mentioned that that receiving uh work that we saw last week probably going to come into play against the chiefs but the point of a play like jacobs is like $20 is kind of that mark on Yahoo where it's it's the the cutoff between uh, like the mid-tier and very affordable. So to be $3 below that is just one of the best bargains we have on, on a slate where like there aren't a lot of slam dunk bargains.
0: No, no. Yeah, like we're kind of uh, – I talked about this with the whole uh, championship uh, up front. Like we're waiting kind of on the 49ers to maybe open up some serious value, but – 22 carries two catches uh against the cowboys on thanksgiving then 13 carries nine catches last week for josh jacobs the volume has absolutely been there for him um and he's been playing like a ton of snaps 85 percent of the snaps last week so listen I, at 17 bucks he's just a slam dunk regardless of i think of how you feel this game is going to go he opens up a lot of value and i and there's a lot of like high priced guys that i really want to play this week so looks like we got to lock in josh jacobs but let's move on to uh, wide receivers here. You're first in this same game, again, with Tyreek Hill at 30 bucks.
1: Yeah, and this is, this is going to be a fun wide receiver segment because we just have a lot of wide receivers that a lot of fantasy players are probably very mad at. But <laughs> at, yeah. but, but that is okay <laughs> because that means we're going to get a lot of really good players at, at very low rostered rates. Uh, Tyreek Hill um, in a game on the other side of, of the Raiders where the Chiefs are projected for 29 points. Uh, I mean, listen, I know that we are pretty sour on the Chiefs right now as an offense. I I think if you explain to me that you're avoiding stacking this game, that you don't want Patrick Mahomes, that you're not spending all that salary on this offense, I cannot argue with that. However, they are still projected for a lot of points and they they do still have two of the best pass catchers in the league and still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So even if the offense doesn't hit as a whole, it's still very likely that in this spot that at least one of Tyreek or Travis Kelsey has a bounce back game or a very good game. Tyreek's still tied for second in targets per game over the last six weeks, second in air yards in that same span. And because of his recent performance, his salary is tied for a season low. We've seen him as high as $38 this year so when you're getting this $30 salary on a player in this spot um, I, I think it's especially with the low roster rate I think it's a, a spot specifically in tournaments especially like you know in some, in a small field tournament like we talked about you can mini stack this game where people are probably going to be a little worried about um, the Chiefs as a whole and get some great pivots off of you know the, the players on the Buccaneers and the Bills those pass catchers are probably going to be the most popular of the week just going to kind of leave Tyreek Hill being overlooked.
0: Yeah, and listen the one big like vintage explosive Patrick Mahomes game that we've seen so far this year has come against these Raiders. Yep. Um. And and there's a reason for that with the fact that they rolled out their traditional old Seattle style cover three defense. They didn't really do what most, uh you know, with Gus Bradley, there's a the defense according. They did not really do what most teams have done to uh, flummox the chiefs this year. So I think you can point to a reason to that. I don't really see the, the Raiders suddenly adjusting this to this game. Like it's hard to just do that on the fly. Um, When you play a defense a certain way. So I think that makes sense. Like if Tyreek Hill uh, is going to bust off, he could easily do that in this one. Speaking of a guy, uh, we're pissed at the Chiefs offense. We're pretty pissed at the Seahawks offense. (laughs) But I think DK Metcalf at 26 bucks and Tyler Lockett, honestly, at 22 as well. They're both good plays this week. You know, Metcalf hasn't gotten there in a long, long time. But, you know, it's not as if we're worried about his playing time or something like that. And I think that Russ, like I wrote in my Sunday recap column, that he's back-ish. Like, he's back-ish. I think he played better in this game than he did against Washington, uh, even if maybe the fantasy numbers might tell yeah, a different story. But, like, hey, let me tell you, as somebody that had to stream Gerald Everett in a tight end spot <laughs> um, because the loss of Dan Arnold, TJ, was just too much to bear. I decided to play friggin Gerald Everett. I, I mean, my God, Russ should have had a bigger day. Uh, the whole passing attack should have had a bigger day if it weren't for the efforts of one Gerald Everett. Uh, so, DK Metcalf going against a defense that's 31st in passing uh, success rate allowed is the Houston Texans. Like this should be the week to get back into DK Metcalf as a potential bounce back spot.
1: Yeah. The, the Gerald Everett, the, uh, the touchdown turn in the interception bobble, uh, you know, cement hands was a pretty, that was a pretty r- rough play to watch. And, and not, I mean, and the, uh, and like, the fumble inside the five yard line on the little pop right, pass and right. the
0: fumble on the first drive. Don't forget. I, I, I have them all burned in my brain. So, <laughs>
1: I mean the this offense as a whole, it, it just feels like they are kind of ready to pop. You mentioned they just had so many missed opportunities last week, not to mention, I mean, just barely missing DK um, on a deep ball. And I, I yes. think, he had, I think he had a long one turned over on a penalty as well. Um, but DK, his expected fantasy points are, are uh, over the last three weeks, top 10 in the league based on the four for four wide receiver uh, breakout model, but his he's uh, all, only half of less than half of that in terms of actual points. That gap there isn't just, it's not one that we typically see. Um, it's just a huge gap in expectations that basically is telling us that um, he is really due for some extreme positive regression. And I like Seattle to start getting right as well.
0: Yeah, this looks like a great week again against the Houston Texans, who it's about quitting time down there in yep. Houston. They released Zach Cunningham this week. It, what a what a ride for the Houston Texans! All right, TJ, we're talking about all these uh, wide receivers who the fantasy world might be a little furious at. I am furious at myself for pivoting from Deontay Johnson to Marquise Brown on Sunday morning in my own lineups. <sighs> But you still like Marquise Brown here at $19. bucks.
1: i am still not completely convinced that Lamar is broken like everybody wants to say he is. Uh, I mean, it, it he has had some obvious struggles. I, I will say that that game against Miami, um, they came out with a game plan that really stymied what Lamar wants to do. Uh, we mentioned that when we were talking about Cam Newton. And historically, uh, Pittsburgh's defense, their defense coordinator, has done very well. Um, against Lamar, not saying that that's an excuse, but I I think it is worth noting, whereas he has typically been a little bit more successful against Cleveland. And then from the Marquise Brown side of things, his usage, kind of like we were talking about with Tyreek, his usage hasn't waned, even though his fantasy points have, and that's resulted in now him having his lowest salary on Yahoo since week six, the first time it's been sub $20. Um, Over that last six-week period, he's fifth in target share and in targets per game. Game and even though he one one thing that we've seen recently from Marquise Brown, which is surprising, especially over the last two or three games, is a bit of a decrease in um, average depth of target. But that might not be the worst thing against the Browns. The Browns are one of the worst teams in the league against. The- intermediate pass game they've allowed the fourth highest qbr on passes from 10 to 20 air yards and from a tournament perspective marquise brown's a really nice pivot off of guys like t higgins and hunter renfro at almost the same salary who are probably going to be very popular plays this week
0: yeah that makes a ton of sense look i'm not saying marquise brown's a bad play but uh just gotta i'm mad at myself i'm not mad at you hollywood i'm mad at myself okay um that's where we're at with this whole ravens thing i agree i think that the ravens can get back on track it's just there's a lot of injuries and I think they have clear weaknesses that are kind of, the thing I'm worried about is that I think they have clear weaknesses that are easy for a team to game plan against but we don't have time to break into into all of that stuff here Um, we do have time to talk about Terry McLaurin at just $24 another guy who's been underperforming of late but still ranks top 5 in weighted opportunity across the course of the season, like I mentioned earlier, Dallas uh, ranks 28th in explosive passing rate allowed, like the usage uh, and Logan Thomas just goes back on IR so that's another body down you know you can argue whether that's good or bad for Terry McLaurin I generally think more volume is good uh and listen at some of this at some point all the usage will swing back in uh to actual production uh we know Terry McLaurin's just going to be volatile but in a matchup with the Cowboys where this should be a pretty high scoring game. Uh, the total on this is, is 48 right now. Um, I think it could potentially go over with these two teams. I want to be back in on the Terry McLaurin business here.
1: Yeah. And, and McLaurin's tied to a quarterback whose efficiency metrics have, uh, have been, you know, at or near the top of the league over the past four or five weeks. So, uh, he, his quarterback, Tyler Heineke has been playing quite well. Um, and we know, uh, you know, even if, uh, if it's Trayvon on him or whoever else, it's a defense that they get a lot of turnovers, but they get a lot of turnovers because they're gamblers. And when they gamble uh, it's, it's more likely or, or increases the likelihood that a player like McLaurin can break one on them.
0: There we go. All right, let's move to tight ends. Let's start with George Kittle at $23, your top pick here. Like we said, I was glad that we said this on the podcast that as much as I like Brandon Ayuk, we both agreed that George Kittle was the play in this passing. game. was going to go like nuts in this game. He did go nuts, and I don't think his uh, salary came up. Uh, despite that massive game,
1: yeah, and that's really the the point of this Kittle play. I think it's I think Samuel will be back this week. Um, but regardless, we'll yeah, regardless, we're st- we're still getting Kittle at a discount compared to what his projection would be with or without Debo. You're getting him basically looking at. Um, at Travis Kelsey, you're getting Kittle for nine dollars less, but Kittle is one that actually projects as four for four's tight end one on the slate. Uh, Cincinnati is bottom ten against tight ends when scheduled, uh, when adjusted for strength of schedule. And again, even though Debo wasn't there, Kittle coming off of a season high twelve targets since returning from injury in Week Nine. He's the only tight end. That is top 10 overall in target share. The rest of that list is wide receivers, obviously. And teams are throwing at the fifth highest rate in neutral game script against Cincinnati over the past six weeks. So hopefully that helps out the 49ers a little bit who obviously want to run the ball more. But uh, Kittle is their main dog right now in the passing game.
0: Yeah. I mean, what a stud. This guy's so good. It, unbelievable. And he's finally player. scoring touchdowns. He's finally scoring touchdowns. That's awesome to see. Uh, Just wish you could get him healthy for an entire season. But, uh, (laughs) hey, it is what it is. All right, let's talk about Rob Gronkowski. Same uh, price, also uh, a superstar player. He's averaging 84 yards per game over the last three weeks, 8.7 targets per game. That's right in line with Mike Evans. Listen, when he's out there, Brady is just going to throw to him. So if you don't want to play the Mike Evans-Chris Godwin game, just play Gronk at 23.
1: And yeah, he's been the consistent one. And and I love that he came out and trolled us last week. Like Cameron Brate scores the Cameron rate scores the, the second touchdown for the bucks. Gronk misses a touchdown and then comes out for like a whole series and a half. And we're like, well, I'm like, what is going on? And then he just, you know, he gets there with two touchdowns and a bunch of catches, nothing to worry about.
0: Nothing to worry about at all. Uh, The cool thing about the bucks right now too, is that like I mentioned over the last three weeks, 9.3 targets for Chris Godwin, 8.7 for both Gronk and Mike Evans, and nobody else uh, other than Leonard Fournette is above four. So it's like it's concentrated between those three guys because Antonio Brown is out for the foreseeable future, which is we always like to see that. All right. I also have a similar feeling, like not wanting to pick between the Bucks' wide right receivers. Like I really want to play a Cowboys receiver in this matchup because I clearly like this game, but I'm having a tough time finding room for cd lamb at 30 um want to play michael gallup at 20 but i'm not sure if i can do it with cooper coming back but hey you've got a solution for us tj
1: Uh, Dalton Schultz at $18. We kind of already talked about this situation when I discussed Tony Pollard about how much uh, teams are typically throwing against Washington, uh, how you can beat them in um, really any of the passing games, short, intermediate or deep, um, but especially in the short and intermediate range. Uh, Dalton Schultz, I mean, obviously this has been with Amari Cooper sideline, but still third among tight ends and expected fantasy points over the last three weeks. Uh, I like Dalton Schultz as a, a pivot off of Dawson Knox, who could be popular in that game that people are going to make a stack just for the simple fact that we don't really have a lot of sub $20 tight ends that are very obvious this week. So, it, I, I mean even though Amari's going to be back for a tight end to be seen, the type workload that Schultz has, he's obviously a favorite of Dak Prescott. And it's an offense that we probably want to stack in some respect. We've talked about this game so much already. So where, you know, you typically want to stack a wide receiver with your quarterback. If you're stacking a game, what, Titan is such a hard position to hit that I would rather have some correlation with that player. And Schultz just makes sense because we are going to be targeting this game so much.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. If you're not trying to get up there with Kittle and Gronk, I think Schultz makes up for a perfect play there. Now, if you want to get desperate, if you want to get gross, we got all these COVID situation things with uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, I'm really not trying to get into the Josh Palmer business, although we'll see how that goes. Jared Cook at just $14. Listen, the Chargers have the third highest implied team total. As you mentioned on, on this slate, the Packers are number three, actually, but they don't play uh, until Sunday night. You mentioned it. This, uh, this uh, <laughs> The line here was minus 10 and a half. It stayed at minus 10 and a half besides these injuries because the Giants are a nightmare right now. They might be starting some dude named Jake Fromm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Jake from state farm Jake maybe? State farm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Georgia. Great state Uh, Jake from.
0: Oh, good God. I mean, it's a nightmare in New York right now. So I could see the Chargers really ringing up uh the giants in this one. And listen, if you're trying to save some salary, which like I mentioned, there's a lot of uh, big name players, a lot of high uh, salary guys. I want to play this week. I can go to Jared cook at 14 here.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even though he is, um, you know, he's only playing a little bit over 55% of the snaps and, and Donald Parham is getting uh, quite a bit of work. Jared Cook is still getting quite a few um, high leverage targets, specifically targets near the goal line, still top 12 and tight end over the last three weeks in expected fantasy points per game. And I know I didn't, I ended up not mentioning Justin Herbert at the top because of the COVID situation with the wide receivers, but I still love Justin Herbert just because of how much the Chargers have been passing and how efficient their passing game is. So it is going to make sense if you're, if you're playing him, you're going to want to probably pair him with somebody and, you know, playing him with Eckler is fine, but Eckler is also going to be very popular. Jared Cook's not the worst option.
0: Let's see that double-digit a dot again from Justin Herbert. Please, Chargers coaching staff. All right, let's move into defense. Uh, we've talked about this game quite a bit, but you like uh, the Chiefs at 13.
1: Yeah, they, um, they've they really turned things around uh, over the past month or so since bulking up their defensive line a little bit, and they are huge favorites, favored by 10 points against the Raiders. Their top 10 in press rate, over the last month, we already know that the Raiders are a team that typically throws at one of the higher rates in the league in neutral game script as 10-point underdogs probably going to be forced to throw even more. And that obviously sets up for um, more opportunities for, for sacks, pressures, turnovers, hopefully. And Justin Edwards of 4-4 four for four ranks the Raiders as a bottom 10 unit in offensive line. So I like the matchup for the Chiefs. I like that they're huge favorites. I also think that, again, I, I mentioned a lot of people probably aren't going to be excited about loading up on this chiefs game as one to stack, especially with, you know, Mahomes just being very mediocre lately. I think there are some sneaky opportunities chiefs defense with a single pass catcher. That is a stack that we have seen work in tournaments before. And it kind of makes sense. I mean the defense gets them in good scoring situations and somebody's going to score if you're in a good scoring situation and, and it just puts them in a really good game script. So um, I don't mind pairing the chiefs defense with Tyreek or, or Travis Kelsey.
0: Uh, I also like the chargers at 13 bucks. I I mentioned earlier, obviously Jake from state farm. Uh, He's going to be out there quarterback. We want to probably play a defense against him. Uh, Do monitor the situation with Joey Bosa. He left with a concussion. Apparently Brandon Saley, actually was like, I don't care if he get cleared, you can't go back in there. Um, he has had concussion issues in the past, but still I almost either way. Chris Harris Jr. also went on the COVID list today. So uh, with these wide receivers, but still almost regardless, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take Brandon Staley and his defense going against this uh, Jake from state farm guy. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's just be clear. About it. Also, I don't mind. I, I don't mind the jets at 10 bucks, the stone minimum against Taysom Hill. If you're really trying to get weird. <laughs>
1: Also, it's it's to the point with the Giants where you can just put their quarterback names in a hat and pick whatever one. And you're still going to start a defense against them.
0: Right. Right. Even if it's Daniel Jones, <laughs> yeah. like who cares? Yeah. I'm still probably starting a defense. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> if It's Mike Glennon back yeah. there. Uh, but
1: Absolutely. I don't know.
0: Maybe maybe Jake Fromm is actually better than Mike Glennon. I mean, it's enough with Mike Glennon. Stop with stop making him your backup. This is like his 10th team where he's been the backup. And just what, what are
1: we doing here? I don't know that guy. Uh, he just keeps getting paychecks, so good for him.
0: Keeps getting paychecks, and then we have to keep seeing his neck everywhere on Twitter. So, you know, congrats to congrats to Mike Glennon, Glennon for that one. All right, enough. Let's go to the flex plays here. Um, no argument from me about Leonard Fournette at twenty-seven bucks from you.
1: Uh, favored against the bills and what's expected to be the highest scoring game of the week. Everybody will be on the passing games in this one. So I don't think Leonard Fournette's necessarily going to be like a huge leverage play because I do think people will still um, play him on what this kind of looks like a, a pretty weak running back slate, but we, we were, we have already been talking about Fournette seeing an increased workload. Obviously he had the four touchdown game a couple weeks ago. It, it didn't seem like his workload could get any bigger, but he saw 80% of the snaps in the last two games prior to that. He had only done that once all year. So now in addition to that huge passing game work that we've been seeing now, he's just barely even coming off the fields, averaging nearly eight targets per game since the Buccaneers by, as you mentioned, and the bills um, I mean, they got gashed by Jonathan Taylor, obviously, which can happen to anybody. The, the numbers against uh, new England, obviously a little out of whack, you know, one long run and they only throw three times all game, but, I mean, even without Tredavious White, I still do think the Bills are a very strong pass defense and, and you can attack them with your running back. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think the Bills are necessarily going to slow down the Buccaneers, but it's it's kind of apparent that you can attack them a little bit easier on the ground than you can through there.
0: He just gets such great usage, especially in the passing game, and especially in scoring area through the passing game. So, um, uh, it's like he's a smash play every single week. He's—I feel like he's never going to get plus thirty. He's never going to get above thirty bucks, and like just keep jamming Lenny in there as long as he, as long as he's under thirty. I mean, give me a break. I like Jamar Chase this week. Uh, I wish the salary gap was not as like ten bucks between T Higgins and Jamar Chase, but again, if you're trying to differentiate yourself. I think going to Jamar Chase, who, listen, if he catches that little volley, um, it wasn't as bad as Gerald Everett's, but it was pretty bad. Uh, If he catches that volley, we're having a totally different discussion here about Jamar Chase. Um, The usage, the targets, and everything, the air yards have even flipped to T. Higgins' way over the last three games, but that feels like a pretty good time to buy. I knew he's like talking in the media too, about how he can be used differently and all this stuff. It feels like a good time to buy back in on Jamar chase. Uh, like he was just running so hot, like on the right side of variance earlier. Yeah, definitely. Um, And now like it's swung back the other direction. I feel like we could get a happy middle at some point. And this 49 ers secondary, I think still remains a unit that you can attack. Uh, They have injuries. They have Josh Norman still out there. Like I think uh, Jamar Chase could potentially rip a big play on this unit here.
1: Yeah. And I think this is a a sneaky good game to stack. I mean, you already mentioned uh, we could get some late week value out of it. already talked about George Kittle. And as you mentioned, I mean, we saw uh, the Seahawks have a pretty decent day against them last week, a offense that has been atrocious. And we know that Cincinnati um, can be very efficient. Haven't been super efficiently. But I mean, even after a bad start last week against the Chargers, they got they got it going and, and put up a fight so they can put up uh, numbers pretty quick.
0: All right, TJ, let's talk about some fades. Uh, and I, are you are you really going to disrespect Hunter Renfro here in this
1: segment? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've already made my case for the Chiefs defense as big favorites in this game. But the reason I wanted to mention the Raiders passing game specifically is because I, I do think with the uh, possible high scoring nature of this game, that players that do decide to attack the Chiefs will have some popular bringbacks with the Raiders, most notably Hunter Renfro. And then I think either tight end, whether Waller's out and, and Foster Moreau is a, a value play for a second week in a row, or Waller comes back and and you can attack them against the chiefs. I think probably from a, a casual player's perspective, there is, uh, might still be a, a sense from, uh, the early or the first half of the season that this Chiefs defense isn't strong and, and people might be looking to this game as a potential shootout. Uh, but I think this is one where, uh, the Chiefs really just come in there and steamroll the Raiders and, and, uh remind everybody that they are still very much in, in the fight for the one seed where the Raiders, um, you know, probably going to end up on the outside looking in when the playoffs start.
0: Probably are not. <laughs> They're probably not. Uh, Listen, I'm probably fading Chuba Hubbard. It's tough because he's 18 bucks and like, I, um, I want some value, especially at running back on this slate, but nevertheless, the Panthers just fire Joe Brady as we mentioned I know Matt rule apparently like wants to run the ball 30 to 33 times a game good luck with that uh with this offensive line that should be a real treat uh Chuba Hubbard though like he might get uh vultured at the goal line by Cam Newton yep he's probably gonna get his passing game work taken away by Amir Abdullah who is legit like kind of subbing in on those angle routes the flare outs everything like that that uh Christian McCaffrey normally does so like the monster weeks we saw, from, and I'm I'm like monster quote unquote weeks from that we saw from Chuba Hubbard early in the year, those probably are not in the range of outcomes. Even at 18 bucks, even against the Falcons, I think I'll probably pass. Despite wanting some value on this slate,
1: yeah. When we got the CMC news, um, you know I still still doing rest of season rankings here th- at this point of the year, and it, it was just really hard to put Chuba anywhere close to even you know a, a, a reliable. RB3 um, because mostly because of the presence of Cam and, and now Amir Abdullah as well. So the 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 projection that you think you might have from what we saw uh, when CMC was hurt earlier in the year, nowhere close. I mean, if they're going to run it anywhere close to 30 times, that might mean Cam running it 17 times himself or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not ideal for old two of a Hubbard. All right. Well, TJ, we've said it all. It's an exciting week, like we mentioned here at Yahoo Fantasy. Do remember to check out uh, at Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter this weekend and follow the hashtag Yahoo Fantasy Champs across all channels to check out all the action around uh, the live final, the champion, uh, the Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be awesome, so make sure you tune into that. And also, if you found this podcast via the Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast feed, TJ, tell the people about DFS MVP.
1: Yeah. First of all, good luck to all of the live finalists and listening to this on Thursday this week, tomorrow on Friday, we do our comprehensive DFS, uh, MVP, uh, overview of the, all of the slates, uh, for the weekend Sunday mornings. We do a Sunday morning show GPP last look on our subscriber only discord. So make sure you get signed up to access that every Monday. We do a cash game review on YouTube, the DFS MVP channel. So make sure you check out that review as well.
0: And if you found this show via the DFS MVP feed, make sure you check out the Yahoo fantasy football forecast. We do great shows every single week, including uh, I'll be back next week with the uh, stat nerd show midweek with Dalton Del Don. And of course, every week, the Sunday night recap with Liz Loza that is in your ear holes by Monday morning. So make sure you check that out and subscribe in the meantime. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore byb on Twitter. That's at T.J. Hernandez. Check out the whole crew at Yahoo Fantasy. Good luck this weekend to everyone participating in the Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship. Until then, we are out.